Welcome in to uh, something we did last summer here on these uh, podcasts, which was talk to some handicappers from across the country, a uh, long-form interview about how they got into the game, um, strategies, etc. And we're going to revive that and welcome in Dan Cronin from Fat Ball Guy Racing. And we'll also talk a little college basketball at some point because his brother's Mick Cronin of the UCLA Bruins, who uh, got his team to the Final Four. So it's been a crazy uh, lead-up to the Keeneland meet for you, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. When I when I roasted my dad at his 75th, one of the things we joked about was that the Cronin family was always free in the second weekend of March because by then mixed teams were all home. So. Ooh. <laughs> the whole room busted out laughing. It was, you know, this big joke that that's been running for four years now. And so every week, second weekend of March, everybody's texting me saying, you know, that roast speech was so funny. Your brother had to be mad. I'm like, well, if he ever makes a run, I can't use that one anymore. So, so that's that's so done. When, yeah. So when he made the run, it was great. And you know, the other thing that that nobody's talking about is the fact that the whole thing was in Indy made it so great for our family. And all the friends from Northern Kentucky and, and, and Cincinnati that we got, everybody could drive up to the game because in a normal situation, you know, you're two games in San Diego, you're two games in San Francisco, you're two games in New Orleans. I mean, nobody could have ever done what we what we were able to do. So that made it fun. We had probably 50 people up there, you know, for six straight games. And, uh, you know, and the thing is, we haven't been able to see each other for a year, you know, so it's been great. That was that was the, the fun part that, that they can't ever take away from you. Let's talk a little racing, first of all. And uh, a few years ago, somebody said, you need to uh, find this this guy that's Keeneland Dan. He's got great insight on Keeneland. And it uh, turned out it was it was you, Dan Cronin, uh, who would <laughs> give some folks some thoughts on the Keeneland meet. Uh, and then I had you on my uh, radio show a year or so ago, and you had your rules for uh, playing Keeneland that, that you gave out, which you, I assume, still have and give to people, right? Yes, yeah, I still got them, the 10 rules, the Keeneland. The, the only one we've tweaked a little bit is when they went from the poly to the dirt, we're not as biased towards the outside of the track versus the inside. But but we still like sprinters, and, and, and it's already turned out this meet. When you're on the dirt at Keeneland, if you can get that six, seven, eight, nine hole versus that one or two hole, it's just an advantage. You know, I think it's an advantage pretty much everywhere, but, I mean, it, to me it's a big advantage at Keeneland to be able to just sit on that outside stalk or, or go to the lead and, you know, the rider can do whatever he wants instead of taking that dirt. And So that's a big factor for me there. And then the biggest factor, too, that people laugh about all the time, especially with a brother in California, is I avoid California horses like the plague. I just will not take one. I don't care if they beat me. I will not take one. And it's just a rule I've had for years. And I've only been burned a couple times, and especially in, like, graded stakes on the grass. There's some this weekend. I will not take those California horses. I just won't do it. And uh, you know, sometimes you can get them to where they're two to one, two and a half to one. You can avoid them, and you know, get some other horses in there. So that's two of the rules I try to stick to all the time. How did you become a horse player? My dad, in one of his five different jobs growing up, um, he was a he was an usher at River Downs. So at that point in time, the grandstand was like where all the trainers and owners sat. And so I would tag along with him and watch all the information being exchanged. And then he would handicap and he'd he'd mark his programs for people. And I just kind of watched that. And 
so every Saturday and Sunday, pretty much, I'd wear my baseball uniform and, and I would sit there and then about five o'clock we'd leave and go to my game. But from noon to five o'clock, I'm running around River Downs and learning how to handicap and watching horses. And it was always me and my brother and we were there nonstop all since I was five or six years old. So I was 18. So it got in the blood quickly. <laughs> I can uh, can understand. I think there was a story in the tournament run uh, that SI did, I think, that uh, your brother talked about things he learned from his dad, including how to read a racing form. Um, so all things oh, yeah. fathers should pass down to their sons and daughters. There was there was many nights on the on the chair where I'd be on his left knee and Mick would be on his right knee, and the, and the racing form would be in the middle. And it would be, well, see this number? This is what this is. This is how you read this. This is the class. This is the speed. And <laughs> I mean, it was it was a nightly thing. I, I swear I could read a racing form before I could read a book. <laughs> well, you were learning math. Um, exactly. Yeah. And that's why I went into math, because that's all I did my whole life was math. So that's why I ended up in, in the mortgages and accounting and all the other stuff because of it. Uh, as uh, as far as um, and and Fatball Guy Racing is as uh, a website, you do picks. Folks can uh, subscribe, right? Yes, absolutely. And and we do deals. We don't want to ever price anybody out. So the small players, the guys that that want to get in cheaper, just give me a, give me a shout on email or or Twitter, and we'll work it out with you. That we never want money to be an issue of why you don't come with us because we try to keep it as cheap as humanly possible. What about? Uh, strategies as a, as a horse player, how that's evolved, uh, types of bets that you like, uh, that kind of thing. You know, I, I usually make on a daily basis, I'll make three types of bets. I'll, I'll bet to win or win in place. Those are the two things I like to do a lot. And then I'll play pick fours and pick fives. Now, most of the time, if I play a pick five, I'll get in with a couple buddies just to have action and have fun. Um, you know, there's people out there spending so much money on these tickets nowadays on pick fives. I, I, I'll buy a piece just to have fun. Now, pick fours I take a lot more serious and bet them myself because I, I think the pick four is a great, great bet, especially for guys trying to hammer things. And and, and I think if you're going to grind, you got to bet straight. If you're going to go for big hits, you go for the pick fours and fives. I, I, I can't tell you the last time I bet an exactor or a trifecta. I'm just not that kind of player it's hard enough for me to find the winner that than looking for horses to run second and third so you know I, I make some pretty big straight straight wagers i made one the other day on the chad brown horse on the grass that went in a hand ride and you know that can make your whole meet because now you got a budget to play with off of one horse and that's the other thing i do is i'll zero in and i do it on the sheet for everybody i'll zero in on one or two horses that day and flat out tell you this is who i'm betting on you know, if he goes to three to five, we got to figure something out and bet a double or a pick four. But you know, if he's two to one, three to one, we're betting. You know, and and I bet it's it's not like I'm passing out these sheets and not not wagering on the picks. And and that's that's why I think you know it's lasted eight years and we just keep growing. Did was it that kind of strategy early or how did you come to that? You know, about I'm 51. When I hit about 30 years old, I got so sick of losing, and I was like, God, I, I got to either quit playing this game or I got to figure out a way to not get killed because I keep going to the track. I'm betting $60 trifectas and $100 exactas and all this stuff, and I come home, I'm down 500, down 600 every daggone week. I'm like, this is stupid. I, I'm either going to stop or I got to figure out something. And 
So I started tracking every single play I made in a notebook because that was before the internet. You know, I'm, I'm writing every play in a notebook and keeping tallies and you know what's successful, what's not. And I quickly figured out that I'm pretty good at finding the winner. If I can see ten races, I can zero in on two or three horses a day, and they win at a very, very high percentage, which is just over forty percent. So. Then I started doing the math in my head. Well, if I'm going to pick 40% winners, and I bet 200 to win on this horse, well, what do they have to be on average for me to profit? Well, they can't be three to five, but if it's three to two, I'm going to win money. So I just kept doing that in my head over and over. And then once we were able to get accounts online and everything, it's so much easier to track. Um, and I, I always beg people to please look at your wagers over the last year and See what you're winning at. See what you're losing at. And the bets you're losing at, stop stop doing it. You know, don't be afraid to change. And so I've evolved into a lot of straight betting, a little bit of pick fours and fives, and that's pretty much all I play. Did you know, Growing up as a fan, apart from the, the wagering, handicapping part of it, uh, was there a, a horse or two that uh, were favorites for you just as a fan? Well, it's funny, being at River Downs, there was a little filly named Tada, and I just love the announcer just screaming, Tada is playing catch me if you can. And so I fell in love with her. She ran probably seven or eight times and went every one of them and then took on the boys in the cradle stakes and, and got beat in the lane. And But that kind of really got me to where, man, this is so exciting. This is awesome. And then Spend the Buck came through came through River Downs and the Cradle Stakes and then went on and won the Kentucky Derby. And that's when I really was like, man, this is this is for me. I really, really like this game. And my mom used to get so mad at me because she knew I had baseball games all the time at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. And she'd be like, well, why are you getting in the car at noon? Yeah, I know where you're going. You're not better not be going down to River Downs again. And I'd be like, no, I got a game at 2 o'clock. I'll see you. <laughs> and I was sneaking down to the track the whole time and and my brother had an even better angle. What he did is he just got a job in the parking lot at River Downs parking cars in the valet, so she couldn't tell him he wasn't allowed to go. <laughs> yeah, just parking cars. Yeah, I'm working valet, Mom. What do you want me to do? I'm hustling, trying to make a few bucks. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, the Saturday card at Keeneland. And, and we should say uh, Jim Goodman runs the Grade 1 Gamble contest for uh, contest players every spring. Very popular uh, with players across the country. You're going to be taking part in that. What's the appeal for you of contests like that? It's real money. I, I like that. I, I really like the real money angle. I like the fact that they added doubles um, and eliminated some of the other stuff to where I, I don't like those fake $2 winning place contests because to me it's just a Hail Mary contest. You know, you're just betting 40 to 1 that you'd never bet in real life. And, you know, who cares if somebody stabs one of those and you run around saying I'm the champion. So I've said all along that the real money is the real champion. The, you know, the BCBC champion to me is the real handicapping champion. The grade one gamble is into the, you know, you, if you finish in the top five or six, you end up with a, a bid in the Breeders' Cup contest. And that's, that's just the way I look at it because you can bet straight and it's, okay, I got a $2,000 budget. How much do I like this horse? Do I want to go all in? So I just want to bet two or three hundred, you know, and they, they only make you bet five races. So you don't have to bet every single race. I think it's 400 for five races and, and whoever has the most money wins. And it, it's funny how when it first started, 10 or 15 grand would win it. 6,500 or so would be top six. 
well, now you better be over 10000 to finish top six because these guys are sharp now. They know how to play these real money contests, and they go all in. If, if you don't go all, you know, if you don't go all in, you're you're not going to win. If you're comfortable talking about it, uh, Saturday's card with four stakes races uh, throughout the card. Anybody you really uh, like for our listeners? Well, actually, I do. In the Lexington Stakes, now I think it's a really, really tough race, and I know the favorite's going to be tough, but I I think this eight to one shot Hockey Dad for Doug O'Neill and Mario Gutierrez has a monster chance. More because of the pace than anything. There's the one, two, and three are all going to go. They're all sprinters. The Baffert horse is going to go, so the pace should be hot. And this horse got all the way over from the twelve hole in the in the, in the uh, Jeff Ruby Stakes, and was right there in the lane going a mile and an eighth, and just couldn't get by. Well, now goes back to dirt, gets a, gets the six hole. The one, two, and three all go. I think he's going to be able to tuck in about fourth or fifth. And I think he's going to have a huge chance on the turn to come three wide and beat that favorite to the jump. And then I think the favorite's going to have to run him down. I really think Hockey Dad's got a big chance. And that's the horse I'm going to, if I got two or three grand left in the contest going into that ninth race, I'm, I'm all in on Hockey Dad to try to win the contest. Uh, for folks that are listening to this in the Kentucky uh, area, Lexington area in particular, uh, one of the uh, angles that a lot of that had a lot of people from Kentucky rooting for your brother's team in the tournament was Johnny Juzang transferring out there. What an incredible tournament he had! Oh man, he just flat out carried him. He, he was just he was unbelievable. The, the amount of jump shots that he made, you know, shooting at fifty five, sixty percent with guys hanging all over him, big, big shot after big shot. And he showed up every single game. And what most people don't know is he had a really bad ankle that he was dealing with the entire tournament. He never complained. He came out once for about five minutes, and we almost blew the game. He had to come running back into the game. I mean, that kid, he completely changed from the first game he played into the last game. I mean, he bought into everything Mick was teaching. He was playing defense. He was, I mean, I've never seen him down in a stance like that with that kind of intensity that he was in a tournament. I was like, look at him. He is down. He's into it. He can't wait to play defense. I mean, he is completely bought in. And I mean, of course, I'm praying he comes back because I, I really believe the kid could be a lottery pick next year. You know, you come back, you become a first-team All-American, you average 20 a game, you get him in the top five or ten, you make another run, and you're a household name. You know, I... Now, if he leaves because somebody guarantees him the first round, as all the Kentucky fans know, you know, it leaves you wanting more, but you understand it for the kids, so you can't complain. But I really do hope that, that he comes back for one more year. It had to be a challenging uh, March for you in early April, balancing horses and hoops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. Because I was expecting, I told my dad, I said, well, we'll ride up here to Purdue, watch him play Michigan State. We're probably going to lose. And then we'll go home and get ready for Keeneland. Well, then they kept winning. And the, the two-hour drive up, the two-hour drive back, six times while trying to get ready for Keeneland, trying to get the sheets out. I had to keep driving back to Cincinnati, getting the sheets together, doing all the research. And the only good news is we started off pretty hot, and, and the bets were winning, and the pick fours were winning, and the straight bets were winning. I was like, well, I'm up on the meat, so I'm tired, but – but I'm up on the meet, and I'm ready to enjoy this weekend in Lexington to come down here and just spend time with people I haven't seen forever and uh, and hopefully win some money. 
Uh, where can folks find the uh, the Fat Ball Guy Racing website? Yeah, it's all over. It's fatballguyracing.com. We also have a, a mobile site, if that's better for you, fbgmobile.com. Um, we keep it cheap. And, again, if you still get on there and you think you can't afford it, just email me. We'll figure something out. I don't want anybody to ever run away over 5 or 10 bucks. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to take your money. I, I want you to, to have fun, but I do have a staff to pay, and you know, we got handicappers all over the country. And that's the other thing. Not only do you get Keeneland, you're getting Santa Anita, you're getting Oakland, you're getting Gulfstream, you're getting Aqueduct, you're getting all that other stuff, too, as part of it. So we got handicappers all over that are, that are helping out, and they've been with me now eight years. Well, good luck, Dan. Thanks for the time. All right, Tom. Good luck to you.